Hi, and welcome to Thought Bubble. My name's Scott Millward. Here, I'll be talking to thought leaders from various industries, sharing their insight into their area of expertise and creating a thought bubble around the topics that matter. So welcome, Stan, to the podcast. Thank you for coming on this morning. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, I know you're a little bit croaky this morning, your voice, but oh, we'll, uh, we'll struggle through, I'm sure. I, yeah, I have to apologize, man. It's uh, my broken Polish-Dutch accent and now <laughs> also having lost half my voice, but I blame Natasha, Chet and Ollie and their hiring rebellion. They organized a smashing event yesterday. First time they did it, they sold 80 tickets, packed room. I did a little bit of speaking there and a little bit of uh, after-partying. So, uh, if just I, a little bit. Uh, just a little bit, just a little bit. So if, I, if I'm hard to understand, uh, I blame them. But, but they did absolutely, absolutely smash it. So uh, shout out to them. Yeah, well, at least you've got that out of the way now. So, yeah, me and Stan have known each other for about a year now, I think. I think we met for the first time in Manchester when you were still at Vonk. Um, we had a breakfast and I was like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> if this is what recruitment's like, I don't I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, Stan, I know you from being at Vonk and being recruited and being the loudest guy at most events. So uh, do you want to give us a little introduction to yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. So, yeah, like, like many people involved in recruitment, I fell into it a bit over a decade ago. Um, worked at a corporate, then went a bit smaller, worked at a scale-up, then went a bit smaller, worked at a startup, and then now I'm running my own consultancy business, helping a bunch of companies, and potentially landing uh, landing a next full-time gig shortly as well. Not sure how that's going to go. Uh, I think the red line you know, through my career has been growth, so uh, marketing, sales, customer success, and you know, the, the reason why that has worked out well in recruitment is because I, I firmly believe that recruitment, talent acquisition is essentially you know, the, the marketing and sales of employers, careers, opportunities, jobs, and uh, there's, there's a lot of overlap. Let's get out of the way as well. Uh, I've never recruited myself really in my life except for being a hiring manager, but I've always been involved in, in the marketing and the sales of these type of services. Yeah, but always more client side than candidate side, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so it's cool. Um, so obviously, like you said, uh, you're now doing a bit of consulting since you left Recruited. I know you want to talk about voice a little bit later on, something you're pretty excited about, given that you don't have one today. Um, <laughs> ironically, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ironically. <laughs> but yeah, talk me through um, the consulting side of things that, that you've been doing sort of on and off for the last few years. Yeah, I just, just kind of fell into that, you know. <laughs> it, was a, it was quite funny. Uh, originally, I... I like you know, I, I like to uh, you know gain and share knowledge. So uh, I, I like to I like the event scene. I like meetups. I like just exchanging thoughts. And at a certain point, you know, I, I was starting to get getting these these, these speaking engagements that I used to do for free because I just like you know standing in front of a crowd and getting feedback and then sharing my thoughts. Uh, and then at a certain point, <laughs> um, one organization asked me whether I could do a, a workshop, a two-hour workshop. And uh, I'm calling uh, the organizers PA, and they're like, oh, we have X amount of budget for, their, for, for, for these two hours. Is that all right with you? And I said, well, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going there for free already because these were obviously also good um, business development opportunities for me. Usually the people in the crowd were potential customers. I said, hey, man, if I can get paid for this. So, so I just, yeah, sure, fine, and uh, <laughs> registered my company that afternoon <laughs> to be able to invoice, and that, that's how I kind of fell into it. Um, and yeah, no, I, I've just been um, really intrigued by the, the, the opportunity to um, also you know, derive uh, an income from you know, trading your, your, your mind for money rather than just your time. 
No, it's been fun. It allows you to keep sharp. It allows you to kind of be a, be a bit more entrepreneurial and, and, and explore different venues than you would do just from your, your full-time gig. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's kind of how that happened. And now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a bit in the blur branding space. Uh, I'm doing a bit with, with a boutique agency. Uh, and I'm doing a bit with a startup that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Well, it sounds like what you're doing is pretty varied. I would say like a lot of people listen to this. It makes it sound, how do you have time for all of this? <laughs> Um, and also if you've done, you know, if you're doing full-time roles at the same time and speaking gigs and employee branding and consulting. But what I would say from experience is the people that do these sort of things actually have more to give to their full-time employer because they're out there, they're meeting more people. They have more exposure to what's actually going on in the market. They understand what's going on in the industry. So you recently did a big talk. Where, where was it? Oh, that, that was in Brno, as you say it in Czech, but, um, yeah, any, anyone from the UK that was there called it Brno. Yeah. It's the second largest city in, in the, in the um, Czech Republic. And it's absolutely amazing. The unemployment rate in the Czech Republic, guess what it is? Uh, God, I've no, I've no idea. Under 2.5%. It's the lowest in the world. That's incredible. It's incredible. And, 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 and it's um, hard to fill roles, man. You have some really big tech companies over there. So, I mean, we have people from Facebook over, Kiwi, ExxonMobil, uh, McKinsey... Exchanging thoughts, incredible level of um, knowledge uh, on stage as well as in the room. So uh, no, that was a lot of fun. And uh, I came there to do a talk. <laughs> it was called the, the, the Art of Romance, How to Get Better at It, which was an analogy. That's, that's a smooth title. <laughs> yeah, you know, bit of, click, bit of clickbaity. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but that, that was a parallel, parallel, a parallel um, a metaphor between the overlap in um, you know, talent attraction and uh, romancing. Uh, which I think has a lot of overlap as well. Uh, so that landed, landed quite well. It was a cool one. Nice. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting uh, to hear that you sort of, you're still pushing on with all the, the speaking stuff. In terms of your consultancy, what is it specifically that you're consulting on within um, talent acquisition, uh, sort of wider talent management? Uh, what is it specifically that you're consulting on at the moment for people that don't know you? Yeah, the, 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 you know, the, the things that I know quite a bit about, I have a network in. So uh, that's uh, marketing, sales, and uh, technology for uh, actual growth purposes of these companies, as well as for recruitment. Simple, it's, short, short and sweet. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's what I've been doing. And like I said, you know, uh, just, just, just trading, try, trading my mind <laughs> you, yeah, uh, you know, um, in exchange for um, the opportunity to, to help people accelerate, you know, get to their objectives a bit more quickly. And by leveraging some of the stuff that, that I've you know, learned myself or gained through you know, conversations like these, you know, yeah, by, yeah. by going into the industry. No, like um, I've, I've spoken to Stan over the last year and Stan has opened doors for me personally uh, for my business, uh, Matt Burn Associates, and sort of helped me understand the market a little bit more than, than I did as an outsider coming in. I think it's invaluable uh, people like Stan in the industry who open doors for for other people, make the introductions. Stan's one of the best people in recruitment industry at networking. Oh. I, don't, I don't know how you <laughs> you're, do it, you're man, too but, kind. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's an important thing. I think uh, recruitment is it's still a people business. People mm. work with people, not businesses. Mm. Uh, I think that's never been truer. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a point of getting out there, I think. Um, for, for any CEO, MD of any recruitment business listening, mm. um, try and be more like Stan in terms of getting out in front of people, getting outside of your business, getting to those meetups, those networking events, um, getting on the podcast, getting on the shows, get, getting doing more talking gigs, all that sort of stuff. Because I think that if you can grow your personal brand, it's always going to help your business. You know, I think one of the major benefits of being in the recruitment is that you see different industries. Yeah. 
because you, you know you deliver value candidates attraction for, for different type of companies and that's what I would definitely recommend to, to look at other in industries and um, again I've been lucky enough because I've been in marketing and sales but working in recruitment that you know um, with all due respect but if you want to see the future of recruitment uh, Akbar Karenia said that really well at the panel you know, I was recruitment live earlier this year. Yeah. He said, if you want to see the future of recruitment, just walk into your marketing and sales department yeah. and see how they are treating, you know, uh, gaining customers, whether it's B2B or B2C. Yeah, yeah. Look at their processes, the technologies they're using. Look at the predictive value they generate by, by aggregating data. And, and, yeah. and, and, um, well, I know we're both big fans of uh, nurture journeys, you know, your HubSpot type stuff, yeah. um, you know, marketing automation, Canva automation, you know, you've got Adam Gordon over at Canva ID doing big things over there and some good stuff for spec savers. Yeah, some interesting stuff in terms of uh, Canva acquisition campaigns, yeah. um, which I think uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, it was how big is your database? How many candidates do you have? Yeah, yeah, now yeah. it's how engaged are the candidates you have? Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is a, which is a big difference. Oh, it's, it's, it's massive. And um, again, I'm, I'm name dropping all the time because I just I don't want to sit here and pretend that I came up with this stuff. So uh, <laughs> Google Dave Hazelhurst did a talk yesterday as well where, where he explained that he, he hated you know talent pools. He said you put people in the pool and they drown. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, <laughs> he hated the word talent pipeline. <laughs> Imagine what, what, what talent is really traveling. You're going back and forth through, through pipelines. Yeah. So, so, so he said we should talk about communities, and I fully, fully agree. Yeah, yeah. Allow people to be, be, be part of and feel safe and feel engaged in these communities. And if you start thinking in, in, in terms of communities, the whole law of attraction thing started happening. You, know? you put the right people together in the right room. Networking happens. Um, yeah, and, and talent uh, moves back and forth in those communities. The only thing where, where I think that where we can even, even take a step forward is that commu communities don't have to um, be limited to one company. You know, you can build industry communities and, and just allow for talent to, to go back and forth between different employers. You know, it, it's not necessarily even a loss. I, I, I think that, that the collaboration, you know, um, in the end will trump competition. I mean, even at MBA, we've um, had some people leave and go go and work in different part of the recruitment industry and come back. Yeah. And it's been a great thing for them. It's been a great thing for us because, you know, they've got more experience. They've tried something different. Yeah. Uh, they're now coming back and reapplying it. Uh, and I'm sure that's the same with, with other recruitment businesses. 100%. The market is too big for you to handle anyway. You yeah, know, even, even yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I bet Matt Bird doesn't even want to own the whole industry. He would, no. How many people would you have to employ? How many, you know, how many companies? Customers can you service? I, I think I think the thing that I've noticed since being in the recruitment industry is how sort of fluid it is. Mm. Um, the, I think most agencies, most RPOs, most uh, recruitment tech companies, we're not competing against each other. We are offering different solutions to different clients. That, that depends, though, man. The, the the old agency model, you know, yeah. the old boiler room, outbound, ten calls before ten type of stuff. Yeah. You have to beat the other agency. Someone has to lose for you to get money, yeah. and you're deriving money by hiding away candidates yeah. from employers and vice versa. I think that model deserves to die. Yeah. You know? Well, um, I, I think that we are seeing that dying now um, because working hard but not working smart, you know, bashing phones, it can't be the way to work. No, anymore. exactly. And, 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 you know, not, not even caring about whether the candidate is successful or whether the candidate really is a match because you have these 20-something-year-olds with a high target, yeah. um, purely working for commission, really crappy base, and, you know, that just doesn't offer the best value to the customer or the candidate. So, again, another shout-out, uh, Katrina Hutchison, 
just started her a new uh, new new boutique agency called Joint Talent. Anyone listening to this, that's the way to move forward, and that's the future of, of, of outsourcing or or insourcing, not just the candid delivery, but yeah. actual consultancy, actual knowledge yeah. that that will support your full funnel. I think those models uh, need, need, need to um, you know become more prevalent in the market and will. Yeah. And one of the ways that you know, a model like that sets itself apart is collaboration. 100%. Because what what someone like Katrina will do, you know, she she had massive digital transformation project at financial institutions, uh, was responsible for hiring thirty eight thousand people. You know, you can't do that by yourself. You already have to have a network yeah, of, of partners, agencies, technologies. For so so now to bring that into companies, that knowledge plus you know the actual recruitment piece of it into businesses. You know, I, I think that's the future. That's what I also like about how you guys approach your your customers. Right, you you do way more than just the candid delivery. You also do some employer branding. You know? Yeah, yeah, of course. So one of the things that I like about what we do at MBA is that we partner with businesses. In short, you know, we're not an agency that chucks CVs and candidates at you and it's, you know, how many roles have you filled? Obviously, it's part of it. You know, we're, we still have to fill jobs, but we partner. We do things like profit sharing with the clients. You know, we have a attrition targets, growth targets to hit. It's not just how many jobs have you filled. It's have you reduced our attrition? Have you supported our growth targets that we hit that is in line with our investment? Yeah. We're working with lots of fintechs at the moment and uh, they get series a b c funding and then yeah. they're like we need to hire 30 40 50 people and it's like well how are we going to do this how are we going to support you to grow that business oh yeah 100 yeah, percent. and again to, to put one on top of that if, if we're talking about what, what i believe the, what the industry should be talking about and this will sound paradoxical but i think we've been talking about people a bit too much about filling roles yeah. um we've been looking at the wrong kpi like what, what is the cost per hire <laughs> this is ridiculous it's too, it's too micro it's too micro it's you know what, what what the cost per hire is only relative what is the business impact what will the higher than deliver that's what should allow you, know, you to make a calculation over the cost so even if you let, let's say you saved a, a million in cost per hire i mean is, is that a lot of money or, or not you don't know unless you know how many how much money was was earned you know what what, what the bottom line business impact was out of the, those hires if it was 100 million then great you saved one percent of the business impact yeah. What, what, what does that matter? Maybe you should have spent more and earned 150 million, right? That, that that sort of mindset, and then other KPIs, you know, like 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 time to hire, time to fill. If you forecast well, shout out to um, Danny and Crack at Foresight, you know, with with the for, forecasting technology. Yeah, yeah. If you forecast well, then except for ad hoc stuff, there shouldn't be a time to hire. Yeah. You should have I mean, your community it's, it's, to it's hire okay from right to away. have you know internal SLAs and stuff like that, so you can manage your team. But like that has been the. the the leading point. Yeah, you know, yeah but, but what business impact are you making? So again, in the, in the marketing and sales world of products and services, what, what's one of the most important stats? What's the most, what's one of the most important OKRs, KPIs, the metrics that people look at? Yeah. Yeah. What, is, what, 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 is, what, is revenue growth, it's profit growth, net growth, all that stuff. And, and, and NPS mate, net promoter score. Yeah. That, that's why another shout out to smart recruiters this time they came up with NHS <laughs> maybe maybe not the best way to call it in the UK but, but it's, it's a net hiring score Okay. So guess what that is? Well, I have no idea. E explain it to me. All right, no worries. So what, what happens is someone hires 30 smart recruiters ATS. Yeah. After the first month, automatic message goes out to the hiring manager and to the candidate. Mm -hmm. How's it going? How satisfied are you about this match that was made? Three months later, same thing. Six months later, same thing. Year later, same thing. By doing that on a consistent basis, you know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands uh, of candidates, you know, if not millions going through the system, mm -hmm. finally you start talking about hiring success. Yeah. Is, has this been a good hire? 
While most recruitment companies start like, how many placements did you make? How many hires did you make? How much money did you save hiring these people? What does it really matter? Look at how successful the hire was in terms of what has this person been delivering for the business and more um, emotionally, how has everyone felt about it? The customers, the colleagues, brilliant, brilliant move. I think everyone should be talking about uh, net hiring it's, it's linking on. linking that back to the first instance of hiring not just oh now you're an employee and you have your one-to-one every six months exactly but how's it going yeah. you know how's everybody feeling about it and and then calculating that back to the source so what agency or what recruiter or what recruitment channel you know what candidate journey yeah led to this really high net hiring score right yeah. so that's these changes of mindset is what we should do but then again Marketing and salespeople have been doing this for a decade. They've been talking about net promoted score for, if not longer. So recruitment is always behind. And that's why I want to make the switch to talking about voice technology, man, because same things are happening there. At the event yesterday, you know, um, amazing, amazing uh, demo by by these these really, really inspirational um, guys from Genius Voice, demoing how voice technology could support in the talent attraction process. And people, you know, minds were blown. Like, wow, does this exist? This must be the future. It's not. It's already here. In America, for example, did you know, how many people do you think use a voice assistant, so Alexa or Google Echo or something like that, or smart device, uh, on a monthly basis in the States? No. 50 million? Over 100 million. Really? On one third of the, the, at least once a month, at least, to, to... Make purchases to switch yeah. the lights on and off. Well, when you see Alexa's now like twenty pounds or something, it's accessible for everyone. Everyone has one in each room. Yeah, know? yeah. There's like a twenty percent uh, penetration rate already in the UK. I don't, I don't have the exact stats because I looked up the US stats to sound smart. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but makes it look bigger. But, but I mean, I mean, Google it or 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 hey Google, ask Google <laughs> in your smart device. Uh, it, it, it's nuts how well established voice technology is already. In um, again, in the marketing and sales of products and services, and how much um, ease and how much better experience is providing for consumers, not to having to scroll and type, not to mention people that can't read and write that well. Yeah, yeah. One in ten people, one in ten people in the UK is dyslectic. But I'm one of them. There you go. So why fill out forms? Why write up cover letters? Why, why have to search and scroll when you can just speak? I don't know about you, but like on WhatsApp and things like that, I'm sending voice notes all the time to people. Instead of instead of writing out, you know, why the hell would massive, you? Yeah, man. You just just send a message to someone. It's easy. Uh, exactly. But you know how many business, how many case studies there are in the UK about any voice technology being implemented in, in recruitment? No that's a, that's a point. I have no idea either. And I'm speaking with recruitment folk all yeah. the time, right? All the time. There's one case uh, with McDonald's um, trying Alexa. Really cool. Um, shout out to them for trying it out. Yeah. But it already starts in a super linear way. So, so what happened is the first thing Alexa asks the candidates to dictate the phone number. Right. Well, but if you're using Alexa and you have an Amazon profile, yeah. there should already be a phone number yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, so why yeah. doesn't Alexa just ask, oh, can I use this, this, this data yeah. to, to, to go through the flow? So, um, I mean, there, there's, there's so much to, to be gained there. Um, but, but, and not you know, so how how cool would it be if you can if you can just say, hey Google, I'm thinking about looking for for another job. Then it comes back to you. It starts sending you emails with preferences with no lists. no forget emails. Why why wouldn't you just say oh uh, well that's interesting Scott. What are you looking for? So I was actually at a fintech uh, event last week and it was talking about using AI and voice for mm. uh, cash flow forecasting. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's just talking to a chat bot, which is, so what's your revenue? What's your cost for whatever? Yeah. yeah and you just fill, fills it in for you. But, you know, you could do that with, hey, Scott, what role are you looking for? I want to work in marketing. Yeah. Where, where are you based? Whatever. And you just fills that information for you. It, it, it goes even further. The technology is here already. They can say, hey, can I use your LinkedIn profile and your past experience to see if I can find some recommendations for you? You can program that sort of stuff. It's yes, so, it. so seamless. It, it, it saves so much time, but but it goes further. Let's say you've been visiting. So yesterday was a hospitality event, right? A lot of restaurants yeah. um, were there, like 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 Honest Burgers and the Five Guys and the Nando's. You know, imagine you visiting Honest Burgers a lot of time, yeah. and Google knows that, you know, because they have location tracking, or you check in there with your Instagram, whatever. Yeah. And at a certain point during your commute, you're listening to Spotify, and, and the ad just says, "Hey, Scott, sorry to interrupt." We've noticed you've been checking into Honest Burgers a lot of times and they're actually looking for an employee brand expert or they're looking for a marketing specialist right now yeah, yeah. Um, n- near your near near the home address that we have of you. Would you be interested in learning more? Uh, just say uh, yes and uh, we'll, we'll start a conversation yeah, yeah. rather than an application. Yeah, yeah. You can so, so that's what happens in attraction. But let me hit you with another sick or potential business case. One of the other um, attendees yesterday, Sophie, forgot the last name, sorry, Sophie, <laughs> but... Um, brilliant girl in HR. She said, you know what I would love? Let's say you come home from your first day of work. She'd love for Google to go, hey, Scott, how was your first day? Yeah, that's incredible. And get that candidate feedback. Or after a few months say, uh, hey, Scott, um, can I ask you a quick question? It's a bit better than a candidate experience email. (laughs) Uh, So much better. No forums, no surveys. And even if you're pissed, so how how was your first six months? Uh, Can't be bothered. Oh, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. Not even why I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. No, really. I'm. Uh, I'm just having a, a shitty time. You know. Um, how good would it be if the system would go? Oh man, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, we, we strive to, you know, deliver a certain employee experience, and uh, well, we we wanted everything about it to improve it. Would it be alright if we ask a few more questions so we can start improving it? Uh, it? The system could ask you whether you could share. Would like to share anonymously yeah, yeah. or not? That sort of stuff. It's all right here. It's all right here, ready to be built and to improve experience, to address something as well, not to make it more robotic, but to increase. So without taking out the human touch, but to increase experience. Um, Because here, let let me ask you another one. Who do you think has more empathy, a technology or a human? Going on your line of questioning, I'm going to go tech. Ah, yeah. So so why why do you think so? Um, Because it's... um, there's no pre-prejudice to it. Mm. Um, you know, you have positive or negative prejudice based on whoever you meet. So you might like someone, you might not like them based on appearance, what they say, what, whatever. Um, whereas tech doesn't, you know, doesn't discriminate in any way. Uh, yeah, so, so spot on. Uh, but it's a bit of a cheeky question, you know, because obviously, you know, tech can't feel. So yeah, humans yeah. will always be better at feeling than a tech. But most people, when other people are speaking, you know what they're doing? They're processing that information and right away, they're thinking about how they are going to reply. Yeah, people are just terrible, terrible at listening. Yeah, yeah, you know, even when we're doing this podcast, people listening to it are having thoughts going through their mind. They're zoning off. They're zoning in. A technology doesn't do that. Yeah. A technology just processes that, that information, and there is sentiment tracking technology available already. Yeah, that will listen to tremors in your voice, right? They will listen to your speed of talking, the words you use, the keywords, basically compare yeah, yeah. those with millions of other conversations. 
to figure out how you're feeling yeah, yeah. and how to respond in the most appropriate manner. Yeah, yeah. Humans can't do that, man. The, yeah. the, the, the best psychologists, psychiatrists... On a case-by-case -case basis. The, yeah. yeah, man, they can't do that because they just can't aggregate that much data. Let's make it even creepier because <laughs> right, it okay. is quite creepy. Let's go there. But, but, but it's almost like, you know, technology is like a baseball bat, right? You can play a beautiful family-friendly game with it or you can, you know, beat someone's calling. So, okay. so, so, so it's, it's, it's not the technology that's, that's creepy. It's humans that are creepy, you know, the way we use it, yeah, right? But, but still, this one's quite eerie. Technology can listen to you so well and to your family so well. If it listens to you for a minute and a half, three minutes, or to your dad or your sister or your brother, or if they uploaded videos where they were speaking, mm -hmm. it can mimic their voice. So at a certain point, if you're talking to a voice assistant, in the near future, it will be able to answer you in the voice that's most appropriate for the objective at that point. If it wants to soothe you, and your mother used, used to do that always, it can mimic your mother's voice. If it wants to beat you over the head or convince you to, to go out and go to yeah. the gym, it can put on your dad's voice or your mate's voice, yeah. your brother's voice. I mean, th th this I haven't seen any applications doing that. But can you imagine, again, as a fellow marketer, right? Yeah. Can you imagine how, how, how much more effective your campaigning would be? Yeah, without question. I think it's interesting as well. People are amazed at the moment. So I'm, I'm amazed at the moment that, you know, if I go and look at a TV um, on Amazon and I get retargeting ads around Google and around Facebook and whatever, it's like, it's like normal to me. But I'm like, well, why does that not happen with jobs so much? Like we're seeing some people do it, but like it's not fully integrated yet. Like not everyone is doing it mm. as well as it could be done. You yeah. know, the fact that, you know, so if I go on Indeed and look at a marketing job, yeah. I should get hounded all around the internet with relevant jobs. You know, you're seeing like AO are doing a cool campaign at the moment oh, yeah, with developers, yeah, you know, doing. and they're shout doing... Shout out to Chris. Yeah, shout out to Chris uh, Piercy for like running that. Like you're Amazing seeing that stuff there, yeah. all, o all over the place, you know. And I think that voice is the step up from from that. It, it's not necessarily a step up. It's it's just another channel that, okay. that should yeah, be that sure. should start getting explored. It's not there to replace much stuff except typing and scrolling for the large part, and and, and improve experience and and uh, allow for reaching um, way more neurodiverse market, not just dyslexic people, also um, autistic, you know, or people with visual in, in, in impairments that could be amazing at a job that right now uh, just have trouble or have to use things like Recite Me, where websites are being read to them. Them, yeah, yeah. But why don't replace the reading with the actual conversation that they can have? Yeah, that's, so so th there's a massive opportunity there. Uh, if you're talking about connecting, I want to go back to that one. Another shout out, sorry, but V-O-N-Q, Vonk, they do that. Yeah, yeah. They do exactly that. They will make sure <laughs> that, all right, let, let, let's just share uh, an amazing uh, an amazing case. At a certain point, uh, Booking.com, massive office in, 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 uh, in, in Amsterdam, tons of engineers, uh, but you know, their reputation in engineers, in engineering is they have so much money, so when they try to solve a problem, they'll have five teams you know, competing to solve that problem, and there's a chance that the code that you've been writing in one of the teams never reaches a customer. Yeah. Right, because you know another team came up with a better solution. Teams get merged. The best performers from the teams are put to you know finalize the project or solve that issue to create a better customer experience. And the other developers just go into a different team. Some people love that. Some people hate that. They're like, but hey, yeah, yeah. the code that's my baby. Yeah, so yeah. 45 minutes with a train down south. There's Delft, and it was exact there with 400,000 um, customers. So a big customer base, but no one ever heard of it because it was super niche. It's it's. Um, bookkeeping software for accountants, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, exactly the campaign where um, Vonk targeted, geo-targeted the booking.com office and then used some super um, niche banner ads that only a coder would understand. So if you, based on your location, 
were at the booking.com office over the past month for more than 30 hours and you clicked on that banner ad that only a coder would like or understand, yeah. obviously, you know, 99% chance you're a coder that's working at booking.com, which also has a big opportunity of not being happy that your code is not being released or that you're under a lot of pressure to work fast, you change a lot of teams. Exactly the opposite. They have teams that work together for a long time if you worked at the problem, you're probably the only team doing it. So you made massive impact. There was almost a guarantee that the customer would see your, your work come into fruition. So they just did a whole campaign around that, yeah. not inviting people to apply, but yeah. just saying, hey, if, if you want to make impact, if you want to stay in the same team, come to our event, come to our open day. And then, you know, using location targeting, retargeting, obviously yeah. the people that, that went to the website were then retargeted with, with uh, not jobs, but videos on YouTube even, yeah. right? Infographics, blogs, and the people that interacted with those were retargeted with the jobs. So it yeah. exacted really, really well. From, from the get-go, and, and uh, that, that's my mantra for the recruitment scene. Don't worry too much about fueling applications, yeah. but fuel conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. with the right audience, with relevant people, yeah. by thinking about how am I going to attract them and how can I make sure that people that go through that journey are the people I want. I think the Booking.com case is, is, a, is a massive example of that. And if you want to do that yourself, I mean, uh, yeah, call, call, call Tristan. <laughs> call Tristan the Bunk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that... Um yeah, it's just fueling those relevant conversations. Like whether you're looking to get candidates, you're looking to get new clients, you need to have lots of conversations with lots of the correct people mm -hmm. and do it with relevant touch points, at a relevant point with the right content and the right delivery. Mm. You know, content and delivery mixed together, that's the perfect match. And, and, and re so relevance, nice one. So how, so how do you stay, what do you think is one of the, the, the main points why, why people are getting the wrong candidates in? To, the, 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 it's probably like you said so it's, from, from their branding from their branding activities so probably their employer brand doesn't match what they're actually like as an employer you know they could promise the world they you know the google mook facebook of whatever yeah you know and then um the relevance so when i work with our clients to create evps employer branding candidate packs all these sort of things i'm like they're like oh so what sh what should we be and i'm like be yourselves tell the truth and they're like well it's not all good and i'm like good acknowledge what's not good and then explain how you're working on it to improve it yeah. that's shows empathy oh. if 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 i saw an employer showing empathy as to one what they're good at two what they're not good at and three what they're improving i would a hundred percent speak with that employer yeah and that's what people want because that's honesty integrity main reason why people leave a role after three six nine months is disillusion is the reality is not the same as what they were sold yeah Typically, yeah. that yeah, is managing expectations, managing it, expectations. Yeah. And they go, well, we might get less applicants. Well, that's good. If yeah. it takes you another two months to find the right person and they stay with you for 10 years, that's fine. Yeah. 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 So, and, you know, I mean, uh, yes, yeah, smashing out of the park, Scott, exactly that. And uh, I think, uh, the, the, especially the last part, what's not good, that's the least addressed part. If you go, you know, if you, if you visit 100 careers pages, what, 98 of them will only talk about the good stuff, right? Everyone's trying to pretend, you know, how, how amazing they are. But you, know, you don't have to be that amazing to still get the fun work environment um, and contribute and be, be, be able to, 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 to have, you know, something 
tailored to, to the type of employee that they are. So one other, um, again, with a shout out, Sean Allen, thanks for sharing this one at True Manchester, actually. Um, a few months ago, I've, I've, been, I've been sharing this anecdote all the time, but he was telling a case about BBC when he used to uh, recruit tech talent there, that they had some issues, you know, get, getting the right volume of applicants as well. Yeah. Um, because, you know, BBC was quite a traditional employer um, and tech obviously is super, you know... <laughs> Edgy. Edgy, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's a different type of culture than, than the stereotypical tech culture. Secondly, um, they didn't have the highest salaries in the market, yeah. you know, compared to some of these you know, very well-funded startups, those sort of organizations. So they had some challenges there. And then finally, the, 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 the toughest one is that, yeah, they were quite slow. Yeah. And tech moves fast. Yeah, yeah. But BBC doesn't want to make mistakes because if, you know, if they push a code out that you know, screws up, the evening news, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, or or the website drops out. That, that's a that's a massive, massive impact. Literally, millions of people are impacted right away. So they can't have that. So they just said that. Anyone who tried to apply for an engineering role got a one-minute video or like a 30-second video of multiple people in the tech team, the hiring managers, telling them why they should should not work at BBC. 100% I love what, what sucks about it? I mean, um, yeah, reach out to Sean to learn more about this. But, but, but then at the end of the video... They did end, but but if you can, you know, handle all of that stuff, mm-hmm. anything that you do create and does get pushed makes a massive impact. So guess what type of talent demographic applied in the highest volume that they didn't expect? I, I wouldn't like to guess. Young engineers, young, young, young tech professionals that used to work at startups. Really? The exact opposite of what, what they would expect. But that was probably, well... Not probably, it was because they owned what they weren't good at. They owned and understood what would turn people off from, yeah, from working there. The, the learning, the learning, because they didn't expect this. But when they asked, what, so why? You know, what, what, and which is a great question to ask going back to the whole net hiring score, you know, smart careers, massive move, so smart. Um, but asking people, so, what, what, so why'd you join us? You know, it's regardless of all of that. At startups, these, these young tech professionals were forced to push code that wasn't maybe ready yet. Yeah. You know, they were forced to, to, to kind of go to market with, with buggy tech. And they were just frustrated by that. They, 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 they loved the thought of being able to take it more slowly, to just write yeah, yeah. Proper, proper code. And then, yeah, you wait a couple of months before it, it, it's pushed, but then you... But you can actually see that it's being used. And it, and it definitely works and that sort of stuff. They love that. In, in a more um, grounded environment, you know, more, more old school type of vibe. Um, so funnily enough, you know, that, that's, that's why assumptions, you know, are, 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 like they say, the mother of all uh, fuck-ups. You would think that a certain demographic operates in, 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 in a certain way and part of it will, but you don't have to hire the whole market. You don't have to reach the no. whole market. You just need to reach that small percentage of the market that really fits with your EVP yeah. and with your culture. Another shout out, the company right now in the market that's pushing that envelope is yeah. Wiser. Okay. Have you heard of these guys? Yeah, yeah. So, so they created this new... <laughs> And, and it's a word upside down. You know, most agencies, and there's there's a lot of good agencies, right? Like a PH, like a Chatter, like a 33, like a SMRS. They all do research, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of their whole um, offering. But what Wiser started doing is, we just won't work with you unless you let us do the research first. Yeah. So they created separate products for research at a way lower threshold. So some of them are even almost at cost. But what happens is because they do the research first, they can make way better recommendations 
and that's why it's measured the other park with content. It's so much better. It's so I mean, smart. That, you know, it's um, proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Boom. You know, you know that that is the key. I mean, we're we're onboarding a new RPO client at the moment. Yeah, and we're onboarding them now, and we're not going to start hiring until February probably. Yeah. So we've got six eight weeks to evaluate their spend, evaluate yeah. what sort of candidates they've had in the past, evaluate um, what relationships hiring managers have with, you know, the central recruitment teams, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives me time to go in and work with them on EVP, employee yeah. branding, even sub-employee brands, you know, for tech, for volume roles, for whatever. What is it creating candidate packs for relevant, whether it's video, whether it's voice, whether it's whatever, you know, that proper time to create content that you can then give out to the market so that when you're actually out there and the consultant's on the phone with a candidate they've already got all this stuff to give them yeah. here's your candidate pack here's what it's like to work at wherever you know they have that already such a game changer you know such you a game know, know who you are it's it's it is is the highest but that, but that uh, goes virtue. but that goes, that goes against time to hire that makes your time to hire longer no, but, no, no it, no, it will make the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, it, it will take more time to kick off, but it will okay. reduce your time to hire. Yeah, okay. Because yeah, you create an engaged yeah. community that you can yeah, hire yeah. from almost instantly, you know, people constantly engaged. So your setup time is takes longer, but, but the ROI is, is obviously way better. You're taking the guesswork out of it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a genius move. What, what I love about research, um, back to Dave, quote from yesterday, what I really like about what he said yesterday in the research is not just to speak to the candidate uh, talent demographic. Yeah. So the old school way of you know doing these EVP researches, you speak like you said, hiring managers, candidates, and then you go to market and you try and see you know how the behavior of the talent demographic that people want to attract yeah. internally, how they behave externally, right? But... Um, a really cool approach that he had doing a grad campaign for Microsoft is talk to the apprentices' parents. Wow. Because you know, they're the biggest influence on who... Massive influencer make, yeah. because, you know, the, the, these these guys, um, you know, go through, um, you know, uh, middle school or, or high school, whatever. I'm exactly sure how it works here, but the parents want them to go to uni. Yeah. They're like, oh, four years, five years of uni while well, I got all these skills. Microsoft is willing to pay me to learn more, why not just jump in and go work? But a lot of parents were like, mm, uh, I'm not sure, you know, because they, they yeah. come from another generation where it's yeah. important. So what... what, what so how successful your parent is if your kid throws their hat three years later. You know? Ah, yeah, there you go. But, but, but the point is, so what, what PH Creative did, they, they also found out what the parents need to hear, created packs and information, packs and websites and content for that. And, and, and they recommended to, to talk to, to more people in the circle around your persona. Again, in the marketing and sales world, this has been happening for ages. Yeah. Because how many, let's say, uh, how do you promote a holiday to Disneyland, right? Yeah. The parents are paying, the parents are booking, the parents are driving or flying or all of that sort of stuff. But you're targeting the influencers, right? You're, you're, you're marketing towards the kids yeah. with the products and with, with commercials. Why are we only targeting candidates? Yeah. In our grad campaigns, why aren't we targeting the parents, the older uh, siblings, that sort of stuff, with the, yeah, the I friends? Mean, I mean, it's even um, like you're seeing it now with IR35 coming in and yeah. with um, people going from consulting through to full-time employment. Mm. You know, you could create the spouse pack, which is, ah. which is, you know, I love that. Um, you're going to get stability. You're going <laughs> to get, you know, nine to five. Your wife, your husband's going to be home at six. Spouse pack. Have you ever did, d done that? No, I haven't. It sounds, it's, 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 you can take that the wrong way as well, man. It's, I've, got, <laughs> I've got a spouse pack. How'd you like to say? 
yeah. But, this this is what you're going to get back because your because your husband or wife is working for us. You know, it's it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we need to think out of that, but just that, think that, wider. Yeah, w- wider and wiser. You know, that's why again, shout out to these guys to 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 you know really really investing in the research piece and not trying to get you know. It's quite easy when you when you have a really good content team. You know, it's quite easy to sell content. It's, yeah. it's it, obviously making good content is is hard, right? The creatives, the process that goes into it. But when you have a beautiful piece of content, it's quite easy to convince your um, buyers, your customers, uh, that it will work because you know they just get attracted by the shininess of it and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But without doing research, how often have you seen it fail? You know, shiny, shiny, beautiful, expensive content not going anywhere, and then iPhone shot stuff you know that yeah. that that has um, had proper research put into it natasha nagra at q green hotels uh when she was hiring chefs app- apprentices um this is uh, such a cool one at a, at a small small budget that she had bad, back then for she has more money now but small budget back then she created the recipe for success nice and um Back at, I was back at Vong then, and you know, they, they weren't they were having trouble getting people to come come uh, on board using Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, but what we found out about the demographics is that most of these demographics were on Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. So Natasha made a simple GIF, a simple GIF of a chef, a young apprentice chef, stirring a pot. Yeah, and then it said, uh, "How'd you like to learn to become a professional chef?" and get paid for it in three years, awesome. swipe up yeah. for the recipe for success. And when you swiped up, the whole job description was written up as a recipe. So, uh, That's so good. Oh, man, it was brilliant. It's the, it's, the, it's the creative. I mean, I've even seen with tenders where oh. um, people write the tender in the style of the client. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, I saw a tender um, yeah. about three years ago, which was for the um, old English Shakespeare company or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was like ye old whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it just, it was so interesting to read because they'd obviously understood the values of that company yeah, yeah, and yeah. applied it to them. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, so it's it's all a combination, man. So when you're asking, so what, what what's the game changer? You know, what's the golden egg, uh, the holy grail? The, the thing is, there isn't any. Mm. Uh, I, I, a few years ago, I, I wrote a blog about that. There's a holy grail when it comes to job advertising. So sorry, you know, to the big dogs, uh, the indeeds of this world or the Facebooks, uh, you can't do it by yourself, guys. Yeah. It's, it's, it's multi-channel. Same goes for content. Uh, do you, do, what, so what do you need? What type of content do you need? Do you need the really high quality produced polished content or do you need a lot of, um, you know, unpolished, authentic, as people say stuff. So, so Simon Rutter says you need um, low quality, which isn't actually low quality, but but the employee generated, self generated stuff in high volume. Yeah. yeah. And then you need a few really high quality polished pieces in low volume. Because also, if together, you if, if everything is high polished content, it, it it loses the personability of it because yeah. it just looks a bit contrived. It looks like you're working with some Saatchi and Saatchi agency or something <laughs> yeah, to yeah, create yeah. this stuff. You know, yeah. one of the things that I'm doing with my podcast now is I'm getting more of our own employees involved in the marketing so I can get their voice out to the market when getting them to, you know, write their own blogs, getting them to show a bit more personality. Yeah. Now that's going to do a lot more than working with some big agency to do some huge campaign. Mm. You need a mixture of all of these things. You need a mixture because, because uh, I mean, um, oh yeah, let's put it this way. There is, uh, I won't mention names this time, <laughs> but there's a, a few companies that really doubled down on employee-generated, self-generated content, you know, put the iPhone on a tripod and then do a video about the job instead of, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, doing something more more, uh, more I mean, professional. I, d- I don't want the full face selfie videos walking like down the street because it's uh, a bit uh, crap sometimes. Uh, but, right? Yeah. I mean, because uh, because I, I like I like content, but uh, 
here comes the kicker. It might even work for recruitment, right? Because it might be effective. So you're you're happy hiring managers singing your praises. You're bringing the right talent in, but that shit kind of hurts your consumer brand. Yeah. I bet most CEOs don't even know this stuff is happening, but sometimes it's just almost too crappy. Yeah. So even if you're making hires, right? If you're if you're making your company you know devalued because of it. Uh, especially when you're when you're in in in, in, in consumer business uh, or B two C business, yeah. I you know I think you should you should think twice about that sort of stuff, um, and it, yeah, the the thing is, do both of it. You know, do high quality and do you know low quality. And, yeah. uh, and, and but content, I think content on the whole shouldn't be super difficult to create. If you have to, it kills planning and meetings kills creativity if you if it takes you three three days to even think of a concept and write down you know i write blogs and film content i'll do like four or five pieces and five are rubbish one's really good you know but you just need to get out there and try um because you can plan these things forever also with content you need to put it out yeah, right? yeah you're, so you're, you're the, talking the, the, yeah. the the market validates whether it's any good you're talking about the um FGC method. All right, what's the FCG method? The fucking good content method. Dan <laughs> Kelsall, shout out to you. It's exactly his way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah man, defo. It, just get the ball rolling. It, it's the same thing. So again, um, in, in, in the business development world, yeah. uh, Eric uh, uh, Reese, you know, Ash Moria came up with a lean startup concept yeah. where you just built something quickly. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as you can, you push your minimal viable product to market, right? same way you should put your minimal viable brand and the market yeah. will decide if your content's good great it'll fly yeah, yeah. you'll double down on it you put budget behind it you you you, you hire creatives yeah. to make it make that type of content but even more professionally and if it's shit no one will see it 100 like no it. one will see it he'll get three likes he'll die you'll delete it yeah Who cares? i've been doing doing content marketing and recruiting for the last uh, year and the stuff that works the topic that people pick up on yeah. maybe talk about that topic again or maybe redistribute it online run ads run email yeah run whatever you, you go cross do. channel that's what's yeah no, but I you mean, don't you don't put money or time and effort behind something which you haven't validated yet yeah. that's just crazy yeah 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 i mean uh, anyone anyone that has uh the 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 a bit of extra time and the money, <laughs> but I mean, I think it's like a five quid book. Go on Amazon, search "fucking good content" by Dan Kelsall, and uh, and if you like what we're going to discuss right now, that's that's the thing. Uh, I'm, I'm a massive, massive fan of of that approach. I'm just surprised because I didn't know yeah. that this was not, you know, the it's a, it's a methodology that it wasn't yeah. broadly already uh, accepted and, and 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 applied. Well, I think the the people which sit on the fence, you know, you've got people like Paul Meller who says. Uh, um, take fucking risks. Yeah. You know, don't we don't sit on the fence. We yeah. divide opinion. We say something that is different yeah. and add to the conversation. And I think a lot of people were scared to do that. But you know, if you pontificate and you think about mm. things too long, suddenly the idea is crap. What, what do you think? What, what do you think that is? So people, people are scared, right? To, yeah, of course. To, nobody, to... nobody wants to uh, look red faced and I'm really sorry it didn't work. It was a terrible idea. You know, I've run uh, talent acquisition campaigns for NBA, and some of them have worked, some of them haven't. <laughs> you know, uh, running Facebook ads, running Instagram retargeting ads, and all this sort of thing for volume roles and all this sort of crazy stuff. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's being accepting of the fact that some things will work and some things won't. But if you want to try the new tech, the new approach, you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, people are, I think, afraid of closing the door. 
yeah. on on a on a on a piece of the market on 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 a part of the audience because you know the thing is if you if you don't sit on the fence if you take a stance you will piss off a bunch of people. Um, again, this is just Dan Kelsey's words words coming out of my mouth, right? But there might be some really good candidates in that other piece of the group as well, you know, uh, in the other part, piece of the market. And yeah, great, you can experiment with that with that later. But what I know from the business development world yeah. is that if you try to win over the whole market, you usually grow really uh, linearly, or, or or you don't. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you, you fail mm -hmm. because if you try to appeal to you know, everyone, you, you you pretty much appeal to no one. Plus, it's really hard to make a good business case. Yeah, so yeah. if you say, if I come into a business, I'm like, all right, who are you selling to? Well, everyone, the whole market. It doesn't right? work. And, and why then? Yeah, because our... Because you'll never be the best. Uh, you'll never be that, the best, but, but even, even if you win six customers and they're all different, why did you win them exactly? Yeah, and how can you use that in the business case you can emulate somewhere else? How will you scale? Yeah. Uh, if you had to adjust your process every time to that specific customer profile, yeah, yeah. Um, it means you've got already six, seven processes. Yeah, that yeah. just equals more time, harder to scale. So I definitely believe in focus yeah yeah what one of the things that um so i've been with mba about a year now and one of the things that i said when i joined i was like okay this year i want a client to come to us because they want to work with mba mm, not yeah. because they have a recruitment challenge not because they want an rpo or whatever they, or rpp or whatever it is I like that. because they want to work with mba because they see what we do and whatever and they feel like we align with them yeah. and sort of get that message out there. And, we, and we've had that, which has been amazing because uh, uh, they uh, understood our message and they came to us, um, which is exactly what we did. But, you know, in the process, I'm sure we you know, pissed a lot of people off that, you know, maybe they could have been clients, but the relationship wouldn't have been right because if they understood what we stand for and they go, oh, no, it's not what we want, 100% we shouldn't work with those that people. That wouldn't be a healthy relationship. It wouldn't have yeah. been a healthy relationship. It's, you know, three months down the line and, you yeah. know, questioning uh, how many CVs you sent over and it's just like, oh, it's cool. Yeah, but that's that's why uh, that, that's why government websites usually are, are so crappy. Yeah, because they have to kind of you know, they have to appeal well not even appeal to everyone. They have to not offend anyone. Yeah. So so that's why they're you know black or white, no content, no no opinions. Obviously, you know, because it has to be super neutral. Yeah. Uh, how boring is that? You know. Yeah, that that's no fun. Okay, Stan, I think we're going to wrap it up there because... Uh, oh, we, we could go on forever. We yeah. could go on forever. We've been here for an hour or so now. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, the link's going to be uh, down below. Uh, check it out. Um, let us know what you think. Stan's details are going to be linked below. Get in contact with him. Super interesting guy. Just don't go and film a podcast of him the day after he's uh, he's been to an event. That's, that's my advice. But, yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Stan. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, man. Thanks.